Found Live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Found, specifically Found Live. This is the show, the podcast from TechCrunch, where you get the stories behind the startups from the founders who build them. I'm Daryl Etherington, and today I'm joined by a special guest co-host, Anita Ramaswamy from Chain Reaction, TechCrunch's crypto podcast. Also from just TechCrunch generally, covering crypto wherever it may happen. It's uh- <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it, Daryl. <laughs> hey, Anita, how's it going? It's going really well. I'm super excited for this. I uh, had a chance to chat with Christine and Christian earlier for an article, and I think this live conversation is going to be really fun. I think so, too. I And all credit to you for bringing this together. It's a really excellent opportunity we have here to speak to them. But before I, we bring in our guests, I do have a few quick announcements. So something really exciting this week, we published the full agenda for TechCrunch Disrupt 2022. You can go check that out on the website. Tons of amazing speakers. I mean, Serena Williams, obviously, I don't want to say the biggest name on there. There's so many big names, but I think inarguably the biggest name on there. Uh, We're really excited to have her. She's a guest we've been chasing for a really long time. We're super glad that she wanted to come out this year. Tickets are on sale now. This is our first one back IRL, too. So like in two years. Anita, you haven't been to one on IRL, unless you went before you joined, but... I shouldn't assume. This is going to be my first disrupt. I'm super, super pumped for it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, we're really excited. It's unlike anything else. It's really a unique experience, I think. Um, I've only ever like watched the the episode about it in Silicon Valley, which is pretty iconic. But I am excited to see how it's different from real life. Yeah, no, I, the Silicon Valley episode is pretty accurate to the actual show. Um, it, there's That's it. That's what it's like. <laughs> Not they actually a funny side story about disrupt was that and that filming was that they came many times to the actual disrupt event and they did shoot a bunch of stuff and then they also hired the event production company that we work with to put that on to basically wow. just put it on again for filming purposes. So that that is very in depth. Yeah, no, no, no. They did their homework and that's why it comes out pretty realistic. I mean, I think the one exception is the stuff that happens on stage that is hilarious is not usually intentional. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's a great time. So please come and join us. It's at Moscone West, if you know where that is in San Francisco. All the information is available on the website. And that's running October 18th through 20th. You'll also be able to attend live tapings of a couple of our podcasts. So we've got Equity Live. We've got Chain Reaction Live as well. And then we've got Found Ooh. Live. So those are all happening on subsequent days on stage there on top of all of our guests. Right. So we should introduce who we're talking to, right? So, Anita, do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of who it is we're talking to and what it is they do? Absolutely. So we have Christine Quinn, who many of you may know from the reality show Selling Sunset, which I have been a big fan of for a long time. And we have Christian Dumonte, their co-founders and spouses as well. So they started a company called Real Open, and it is a platform that allows their brokerage to get people to buy luxury real estate using cryptocurrency. And so I talked with them about their RealScore software, which is sort of the platform that powers the whole brokerage. Yes. And yeah, this is something they started together. So it kind of brings together their two interests in luxury real estate and in crypto. Yeah, I'm eager to get into this conversation because I really want We've had a few guests on Found Before who were husband-wife teams. And I feel like that's a really interesting dynamic for, for founders. So curious to hear about that for sure. Anita, like since you already spoke to them before, like you see a lot of crypto stuff. What did you think about this kind of core concept? 
Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, at first I thought maybe it might be like a more niche sort of target audience. And I guess in some ways it is, but it really speaks accurately to who I imagine Christine's client base might be, um, you know, even before this. And I thought it was interesting too, that we had a little bit of a conversation. Hopefully she can expand on this about how this is sort of different from what they were doing at, or what she was doing at the Oppenheim group. Um, and I know Christian has a background in tech too. Yeah. He was the founder of Foodler. Yeah. So kind of cool to see how they pivoted from totally different areas into crypto, which is common, but it's Absolutely. uncommon yeah. to actually, you know, sort of follow through and really find your, I guess, product market fit, which it sounds like they they have. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we really like to talk about here on Found is like people's extensive journey, like into entrepreneurship, right? So like going back forever, but I think it's really interesting here that we have like two very different people coming to entrepreneurship from very different vectors, right? It's cool to see the, like our world, when our world crosses over into whatever else, I'm always really amazed how much it touches, right? Like it's, yeah. cause I think it's fair to say, and I will, this is a good area to disclaim, right? Like I was a big fan of the show of Selling Sunset prior to learning about this. I don't know. I think you were as well. Anita, yes. You, yes. Uh, yeah, huge uh, fan. Avid watcher. It's funny because I am. Um, you know, when I first interviewed the, the two of them, I was telling my sister about it and telling my friends. And I was like, you know, I'm super excited for this. My sister is, she's younger than me. She's always making fun of me. She thinks I'm such a nerd. And she finally thought that my job was cool for the first time ever. <laughs> so Yeah, we have that experience a lot because I don't know about you, but a lot of people for me just don't even know what I do in my family. They're like, oh, what is yeah. you doing yet? <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not because they're like, oh, you work for technology, right? And I'm like, no, I don't. You can't work for technology, first of all. And also <laughs> work for the computers. Yeah, No, not really. Hello, oh. Maggie producer here. Uh, this is how we make it. <laughs> this is how it's made a lot of sweat and chaos behind the scenes. All right. Can you guys um, hear me? Yes, got you. you can hear Amazing. me. Amazing. <laughs> Great. Okay. So <sighs> take it away, everyone. All right. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. I am a huge fan of you guys and everything that you do. We're honored to be here. And um, yeah, I just want to say hello. It's Christine. All right. Hey, Christine, thanks for coming. And Christian, do we have you as well? While he's doing that, do you want to give us just kind of, this is something we always do on the show, but we yeah. want to give people a real high level explanation of your company. Absolutely. So maybe about Real Open. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give you guys some background basically on my husband since he can't speak, which is actually my dream if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to take it away. So my husband has um, experience in cryptocurrency. He started a company that was called Foodler, which was a food delivery company. He invented the industry. He started accepting cryptocurrency as a form of payment back in 2013, but was very familiar with it years prior. So he was mm. one of the first adapters to do that for a consumer-based platform. Myself being in real estate, you know, I saw over the years a huge shift in the need for a universal currency and the boom of newfound wealth and people were coming to me and saying, hey, I have, you know, this crypto and wouldn't it be great if, you know, I could actually do something with it? And I'm like, you can, you absolutely can. And right. you'll, you'll see deals, you know, that are in the news basically, but those are one-offs. They're very hard to do, extremely cumbersome. You have to cash out. By doing that, you're losing out on market participation. You know, there's a taxable event that occurs. So, you know, I basically was working at the Oppenheim Group at the time, which I call cults now, but I was working at the cult. <laughs> and when I was working at the cult, you know, I, I went to my boss and I said, you know, we have to 
alleviate the situation and we have to be on point with the trends that we're seeing. And I'm seeing a huge trend for people wanting to diversify assets and purchase physical property, purchase physical things. The metaverse is great, but you know, I want something real. I want something tangible mm-hmm. with my assets. And so that's how we got the idea for the company. So at first my boss at the time told me, you know, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. And we were actually looking to sell our house at the time. And he's like, no, this is something I can't get behind to which I said, all right, the Oppenheim group was not down for crypto. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He, he was not a fan whatsoever. And so that's when I made the decision to terminate my, uh, my license with them and, you know, become my own broker. And that's where we got the idea to start our own company. Nice. I think Christian's still, we're still waiting, but I'm curious too about um, the real open technology because it seems like that is what enables this to happen and that is that is somewhat expedited, expeditious, I suppose, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the real score. Absolutely. Yeah. So the thing that we wanted to do first, we thought predominantly our clients would be, you know, these crypto whales. And that's what we were focusing on. We were focusing on these crypto whales. And then as we started promoting the company, you know, people started coming in that were everyday people. And we said, okay, maybe this isn't just five, $10 million houses, $35 million penthouses. Maybe this is, you know, people who want to buy a $300,000 condo. Right. So you were talking about KYC, which is an important part of RealScore, right? And like, so people can log in. Both buyers and sellers can log in, right? Exactly. And I think that's the advantage that people don't realize about Real Open. We're living in an instant gratification generation. People want things now. They want it quickly. So people can't be waiting for a 30-day close and a loan contingency and you know this and that. So we're actually able to facilitate a deal in one day. I mean, <laughs> a matter of an hour even contingent on inspection contingency. So the capabilities that we have is quite impeccable the way that we're able to you know have someone view a house, like it, KYC them, do the exchange and then, you know, own a house in basically a day is is really incredible. And also, you know, the great thing about crypto is I'm able to directly cryptographically verify their wallets. Whereas before, Mm. you know, in traditional real estate, people would show me Photoshop funds or they would have people transfer money. Exactly. (laughs) People, you know, transfer money into the, you know, their account. You know, hey dad, will you send me, you know, a million dollars? Must be nice, first of all. (laughs) You know, like I'm like, this is a little suspicious, but we can see, you know, their activity, everything that's going on, the data conception of the account. So it's really great in terms of that. Yeah. Something I thought was really interesting um, when we were chatting is you were talking about who your customers are and what they're like and, you know, sort of their desire to close quickly. Can you share a little more on that? Like, Yeah, absolutely. So initially I thought it would be crypto whales and a, a younger generation. But as we've started working more and more in the space, I'm finding people that are actually older that are open to the idea who got introduced to crypto through, you know, their, their daughter or their son or we, but I would say like the main age of our client is 40 to 50, sometimes 30 to 40, which is really incredible because I thought it would be a younger generation, but that's great because it, it goes to show that older people, you know, are, are seeing the, the need and we're able to provide that not so anymore niche kind of market. And it's, it's really great. 
I also thought it was interesting. You were talking about how people who hold a lot of crypto like to move faster in business too. I mean, I've covered crypto for a while. I find that to be pretty true. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the great thing about it. I predict that boutique brokerages will not be around in six years. And I believe that we will have a universal currency in at least 10 years. I think, you know, that's what sets us back. You know, for example, I'm on an interview right now and I'm in France and I have (laughs) euros, you know, and then before that, you know, I, I, I was in Mexico and I had pesos, you know, and it's the conversion. It's just, you know, it's so difficult. And, and I think it's something that we're on trend for, for sure. Yeah. And real estate is like just increasingly such an international game, like especially here at home in Toronto. Like I think just a massive amount of the market is international buyers. So much so that they're legislating against it to a degree, but it's always going to... It's it's extremely difficult. Yeah. You know, uh, it's extremely difficult for someone in France to buy a home in Los Angeles. And this alleviates that problem. You know, before, I mean, it would be absolutely impossible. You know, international buyers just couldn't do it. So that also opens the huge floodgate. Yeah. Christian, I want to maybe hear from you about some of like the technology behind RealScore. Like how does it actually work to provide kind of surety to people that this is like the right time to liquidate or whatever to make your offer or that this on the other side, that this is like a serious offer. Like how come people can trust this? What's going on behind the scenes? So crypto is complicated and buying a house with crypto is risky. And if you look back to January, there have been some documented sales that have occurred, mostly in Miami, New York, and Los Angeles. And they're all one-offs. You have to have legal structures that don't exist yet. You have to convince a seller that this is real money. And that's complicated, right? So Mm -hmm. RealScore takes all of that complexity and puts it onto a color-coded bar chart, just like a credit score, and presents an all-cash offer to the seller. So suddenly, any seller can sell their home to a crypto buyer. The seller doesn't have to be crypto-friendly. Right. Yeah, that makes a huge difference because like our sellers have, do they have transparency to it or do they even care about that? Like, are they just like, we just want to see the number at the end or do they, do you say like, by the way, this is converting from this to this or whatever? We don't even, we don't even need to say that, but um, I had a, I had a client contact me the other day and she said, I have a crypto buyer who, you know, has, has, and I'm sorry, I just don't know anything about crypto. Can you help me? And I said, yes, absolutely. And she says, I don't know how to convince the seller that you know, we're, we're going to be using crypto. And I said, no, that's what we're here for. You know, your seller will be receiving a cash wire. We're here to facilitate the flip. So I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is that it's still a cash wire. And if they want to receive crypto, that's an option as well. Hmm. So basically, when you look at what RealScore is, you've got several components going into it. I think your question was, to what extent does the seller need to know the buyer's financial position? And the answer is, it's exactly like a traditional offer. You know, there'll be out-of-band communication, like, hey, this person has good credit or not sure, or they have a nice job, or they're, you know, they're the top plastic surgeon in the world or whatever. There's always that (laughs) out-of-band communication about who the buyer is. That remains the same. And in terms of maybe how it works, I can get into that if you'd like, but basically in a nutshell, you take this, uh, when people hear crypto, they think volatility. Yes. Um, and yeah, right. It's the first thing everybody thinks. That volatility is a major input into the formula that is then projected outwards into the duration of the closing period. I could go on and on about that, but basically we smooth over that concern by presenting the strength of the offer in a credible way. Well, you know, and it's important that we say that we're upfront about it, that, hey, this really isn't a strong offer, or this one is. 
Right. Uh, that's that's critical to our credibility. Yeah. So if it's like during this period, we anticipate massive volatility. So like this is a pretty weak offer. You'll just present that up front and be like, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. But yeah. I want to, absolutely. But I want to also point out that the more diverse the basket of coins are, that's a, da- a volatility dampener. So if yeah. you look at if you look at some that are completely decorrelated from each other, that's actually a great thing. Bitcoin and Ethereum are pretty closely correlated. The the Pearson's correlation coefficient is 0.8. So when one goes up, the other tends to go up, and when one goes down, the other tends to go down. So if you've got 50% in Bitcoin, 50% in Ethereum, you're not really diversified. But Mm. if you go into altcoins, now suddenly you're diversified. And the exposure to uh, movements in Bitcoin doesn't matter as much. Right. Yeah, one, one interesting aspect of this, I think, is like the timing portion of it. I know that's something that, that you guys have talked about in terms of like this can you know help people decide when is actually a good time in terms of the volatility of crypto to actually cash out or to actually make your offer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, think of the Chicago VIX, the uh, uh, volatility index on the S&P 500. Take that formula and apply it to crypto. And that's, that's one of the major inputs into RealScore. So as volatility dampens of periods of relatively less volatility. So after the big move, you know, some time ago, the VIX, mm-hmm. the, the crypto VIX was through the roof, right? But lately it's been trending upwards and it's not so bad. Uh, so this, it would be indicated as a good time to buy, you know, a, a week after the big crash would have been a terrible time. And it, <laughs> it would show up like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious to just to get into more kind of like the process, like Christine, you, t- you brought us through kind of like the origin story of why you wanted to do this. But I'm curious between both of you, like, how did you decide, oh, well, we want to we want to build a company together. And, you know, <laughs> this is the right partner to do this with. <laughs> because yeah. who better in the world, right? Yeah, somebody <laughs> yeah. somebody uh, well known for real estate. And heck, I like working on interesting things. And crypto is interesting. So, yeah. Uh, Fiddler was into crypto back before Bitcoin was a household name, way back when, mm. uh, 2013. And back then, it was basically a technical curiosity. It wasn't well-known, and people didn't know what it was. So I just thought it was cool. And I stayed up all weekend long coding the interface between the blockchain and our checkout process, uh, because back then, you didn't have integrations. And you know these days, you can add uh, crypto payments to your checkout, very simply. Uh, yeah. But that wasn't the case. We ran our own Bitcoin nodes. <laughs> we, we, we did some calculation as to when it hit the mempool and when we thought it was reliable enough to calculate a, a transaction because you can't wait for six confirmations to place your no. order during checkout, right? That's absurd. Uh, <laughs> but, if it, but if it's a value <laughs> transaction and it hits the mempool, we say, eh, it's probably fine. And that's what we did. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if there's enough uh, uh, powering it, the, yeah. the, the, the mining fee was sufficient. You know, if you got a, the Satoshi's per byte were high enough, hits the mempool, I'd say, fine, that's good for a $50 order. And that, that's what this Yeah, get your tacos. Yeah, <laughs> and there was, there was a uh, who li- lived on Bitcoin for a week using Foodler. Uh, oh, I remember this time. Yeah, this was yeah. a very, <laughs> it was a wow. very different. Uh-huh. Uh, I think those of us who have been in this long enough are, are kicking ourselves for being like, well, you know, I should have picked up some more of that technical curiosity when it was oh, whatever. Imagine, like, right? Can you imagine saying that uh, cost me a hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> <laughs> I know. But that's why I'm a journalist and continue to be because I'm terrible at that side of things. <laughs> no, no, this yeah. is a great conversation. Yeah. That was a little before my time, but I am curious, Christian. I know after founding Foodler and selling it to Grubhub, you know, did you see yourself becoming a founder again? Like, was it something that you wanted to mm-hmm. do or did you just sort of fall into it? I would tell you that if it weren't for Christine, I wouldn't have done it. She is, I am so lucky to have met her because she pushes me forward. Uh, I, I think the honest answer is that I would not have done anything else for the rest of my life. Uh, but, but she is so inspiring <laughs> to me. She is so inspiring to me that now I can't imagine in any other any other way to live. I mean, we we talk about it all day. You know, there's no boundary between uh, you know our personal lives and, and work. Constantly talking about it, and that's what you need in a co-founder. 
so yeah, yeah, that's the answer. Yeah. So, and, Christine, from your perspective, was it were you immediately like, I want to do this, and Christian is the one to do it, or were you like, maybe he's your second choice? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I mean, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but <laughs> you know, prior, uh, you know, uh, when I met him, he taught me everything about crypto. And so that was always in the back of my mind. And I always thought it was so interesting and I wanted to know more. And it wasn't until I told you earlier where I I started seeing this trend of people actually wanting to buy homes with it that I I said, hey, like, you know, we're on to something. And, you know, I I told Christian that we could have someone else could have a hundred billion dollars and try to put this company together. And it just wouldn't work. But the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, I have my real estate expertise and his technology and, you know, frankly, exceptional understanding of crypto and, and the market and how it works, you know, there wouldn't be anyone better for it. So it worked out really great. You know, and I got I got tired of him bugging me and saying, "Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing?" You know, so, um, it, it worked out really good. Yeah, I'm curious too, Christian. You mentioned there's the old boundary between mm-hmm. married life and work life. How does that work out for you? Do you ever get into professional arguments that spill over into marital oh, disputes yeah. or like how do you- <laughs> no, it's a great question. So uh, recently what comes to mind is that she was traveling for a fashion week and there was some work stuff that I knew we'd have different agreements, uh, excuse me, different opinions on. And I just waited. So it's a, there's a timing component. I said, let me wait yeah. till we're together to bring this up. Uh, so yeah, it, it could spill over. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that most of our arguments are actually about really stupid stuff. I'm like, did you order the food yet? I'm starving. Did you order the food yet? I'm starving. Because when it comes to business, you know, there is no mistakes in business, really. I mean, everything is a learning curve. And so um, mm-hmm. we really yeah. enjoy it. And we talk about it all the yeah. time. And we say, hey, you know, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? You know, and it's just... It's, yeah. uh, and every perfect. co-founder will have, I mean, I, uh, in my prior venture in Foodler, oh, it's not as if um, my co-founder and I always saw eye to eye on everything, right? Right. So that, that's part of the process. Don't it sounds like together. also, I'll just point out that <laughs> the food ordering has, has featured very prominently in your life, Christian. Like, no matter what, you can't get away from it because Christine seems to constantly <laughs> to order food as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. <laughs> you can uh, check out, but you can never leave. Exactly. <laughs> I'm curious on the, the fundraising side. So how has that worked? I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but have you gone out for external funding? Is it is it a process that you're interested in or is it all bootstrap for now? Or like, what do you think yeah. about that side of things? Yeah, we funded it ourselves up until about six weeks ago. Then we opened up a safe, uh, basically convertible debt. And we have some investors now. And, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, we we're open to it if the terms are right. Yeah. And is that new for you, Christine? Well, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely new because every single company, every single venture that I've done, you know, I've never taken an investment. And same for Christian with his company, he he never had any investors. You know, he was mm. it was solely funded by himself. So for us, it was the first time that we did that, and um, we realized, you know, oh no, we want to do it all by ourselves. But the relationships that came out of it, you know, that was something mm-hmm. that you know. That, that we just, we couldn't say no to, you know, we're, we're yeah. definitely open to working with people who are innovative and, you know, see eye to eye with us. But Makes the team bigger. No. It's, you know, it's, I mean, you, you, yeah. 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 you want highly motivated people to, and capable people to be your team. That's what happens. 
with a stake, right? Exactly. So yeah. Skin yeah. in the game. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I guess one thing I want to ask is I know that your company, Real Open, is set up uh, like a traditional brokerage when it comes to the fees and, and the model. But um, would you consider sort of selling the underlying software, like RealScore, to other brokerages mm. or leveraging that? No, because then we become a commodity. We want to own the, mm. own the clients. Yeah, that makes sense. No, no, but it's, I mean, it's good to have a (laughs) a simple, clear answer to something (laughs) once in a while. I just hear hear the sound of my own voice. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I I think at the end of the day, you can give someone the recipe, but the sauce isn't going to taste the same. So, you know, it's just, (laughs) I think think we wouldn't have it any other way. I know you mentioned in the article to Anita about your friend who is a diamond dealer and is looking. So is that a way to expand? Yeah, that was a fun, fun story, Christine, I think you should tell that. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So I have been approached. Well, keep in mind, Real Open, we started with real estate, but I have a bigger vision outside of real estate. Like I said, that means real, tangible, physical goods in the real world and that you can touch, see, live in and beyond. So a great friend of mine who actually worked with me when I designed my wedding ring, um, she is an incredible diamond dealer. And she said, listen, you don't know how many clients I have who come to me and say, you know, I I really need a diamond ring for my fiance, my wife, whatever it may be. And I have all this quote unquote funny money is what they were calling it. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could use that to facilitate a transaction for a diamond purchase. And I said, you know, that I can do that because buying a diamond, buying a yacht, buying a car, buying a piece of clothing, buying anything is the exact same process. I mean, the only thing that, you know, is different is maybe an escrow company. But other than that, it's the exact same transaction that we're doing. So we're physically, we're able to do anything. And one came to me and said, hi, I want to buy a Bugatti and I have crypto. Can we do that? I said, absolutely. Mm. You know, and diamonds, you know, it's, it's the same process. And so I, I think that's what people don't understand is, you know, art, you know, right. art's a really big world. And people had asked me, about that. Like, you know, I, I'm really big into art and I would love to purchase art, but I have an abundance of crypto. Can we do this? To which I said, absolutely. As long as you're not mm. Putin or a sanctioned individual, I'd love to work. <laughs> 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 Gotta get the disclaimer. <laughs> And then they're like, okay, sorry, we'll find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Christine, I wanted to ask, I guess, I mean, it's really cool that, that you guys are thinking beyond just real estate, but going back to sort of your, your roots and your background in real estate, you shared some thoughts with me about the future of like independent brokerages versus yeah. the larger players and just would love to get your thoughts on like, where is that competitive landscape going? And how are you yeah. positioning yourself with Real Open? Yeah, I think the competitive landscape is, you know, you're always going to have the Sotheby's of the world, you're always going to have the Coldwell bankers, you know, the Douglas Elements, you know, Sotheby's is international. And you know, they offer a great auction house. And, um, you know, they have an abundance of resources. And I don't ever foresee that going away, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, you know, the same thing. But in terms of uh, smaller brokerages, you you know, it's just like brick and mortar stores. Look at what's happening. You know, no one's buying anything in, in like a gap anymore. You know, everything's everyone's buying everything online. So, right. you know, the, the, the large companies always being there, but it's going to be a matter of, you know, competition. Who has the best technology? Who has the best software? You know, um, who's uh, the front runner in terms of trends and, and things that are going on. But I think boutique brokerages will be completely put out of business and bankrupt in six years. Wow. Yeah. Because I saw that proclamation too in, in Anita's article and I was like, wow, that's a pretty strong statement to make. Cause yeah. It's a hot take. Yeah. 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 Mark my words. But then, so the, 
the competitive advantages remaining is like like you guys were talking about earlier. It's just having the secret sauce. It's like this is ours. We know how to do this, and nobody else knows how to do this, and so we yep. can survive. Yeah, exactly. And and Christian, did you explain how people are doing these one off transactions? Like you'll see stuff in the news, and you know it's like New York apartment bought for fifteen million dollars yep. of crypto, and then you look at who bought mm-hmm. it, you know, and it's like a Coinbase founder or an FTX founder, and it's just like okay, this is publicity, which is great and everything, but to right. actually do those one off deals, you know, what Christian, I think he touched on that earlier, sure. um, is 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 not scalable. It, it's it's not scalable. It's no. It's great for press. It's it's great for headlines. It's great to make people aware that it's a possibility. But for an individual to do it, it's it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, and all of this is well. Firstly, back to that point. That in, in some cases, people are using screenshots of their accounts on exchanges as a proof of funds, right? And so what we do is mm-hmm. we link we link to their wallets and we can see actually they do have this amount and it's cryptographically verified. There's no funny business occurring and it's continuously monitored through the escrow period. That is not at all like the traditional process where people do in fact move money around. You know, it's a PDF. You can Photoshop it and it's just a snapshot in time. But But that's even with regular assets, even with traditional assets. Like, because I'm thinking about when I bought my house, like it was essentially like, here's a paper that I have that is a moment of time. Maybe some PDFs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And if I don't know about Photoshopping, that's a little They know that I'm real good at Photoshop. (laughs) (laughs) It's real easy to do, guys. You know, no, but I I have physically, I have received Photoshopped proof of funds before from like Bank of America. Oh, wow. So it's, it's very prevalent, more than you would think. Yeah, I think, uh, Christian, was there something else you wanted to say oh, on that point? Yeah, sorry, I derailed uh, you. Oh, yeah, no, no problem. I mean, this, this whole notion is predicated on crypto as the future economy, uh, world economy. And I think it's, mm-hmm. crazy, it's, it's a crazy fact. It sounds like Christine was talking about it earlier, that you have different currencies. Think of the friction that provides, even within one multinational company, they have their own pools of fiat. They have, you know, euros and, and dollars and British pounds, and they have an internal team to manage that. And they, and they even time their purchases from, you know, I've heard that from November to March is a good time to buy euros. They try to do their own forecasts. All of that overhead goes away once there's a world currency. And it's already too late. So the first thing everyone's going to say is, well, how about the central banks? They're not going to like that. But it's too late. It's too late, right? right? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then in terms of how that will happen, there'll be a stable coin that, you know, is actually backed by reserves. I won't name names, but there will be one. And it'll become the, the standard that people start to gravitate to. And eventually, it'll just overtake things. It'll happen organically. The, the forces are in place. And that, that's how things happen. So th- it sounds like this yeah. is partially already an answer to another question I have. But like we, you know, we saw crypto winter and we referenced that a bit earlier. But like it went from, at least from our perspective, like an incredibly frothy period. Right. And massive, massive confidence. And it sort of dominated the conversation. Essentially, my whole tweet deck was just all crypto all the time. But now we're in a place where it's like, there's very few true believers left out there, I would say, mm-hmm. anymore. So, like, well, how yeah. do you... And Anita just... Like, you can't see this because <laughs> yeah. it's not on video, yeah, but Anita just, just like, rolled her eyes. Facial expression. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I cover crypto and, like, yeah. I, I feel like I'm busier than ever, so... Oh, well, okay, yes. and uh, Cool. Uh, yeah, a couple of things on that. It's not just a store of value, right? It, it's, it's a technology. The, uh, blockchain is a technology. You've got mm. smart contracts, you've got derivatives, you've got cryptographically verifiable instruments... It's not just a store of value. Even if, let's say, it were to have, again, in value, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's still, the blockchain technology is still a useful, a critical innovation in the world. And secondly, in terms of crypto winter, this is the the late 90s again. This is the dot-com bust where you had such frothy, as you said, such a frothy environment. Anybody who used it, there were 
companies that added .com to their name and were valued more without doing a single thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Which is exactly what happened this exactly time around. Yeah, we saw yeah, the exact exactly. thing. Yeah. And then look what happened as a result. You've got right. some real winners that came out of it, the ones that had good value proposition. So I think it's a healthy thing that, you know, the, the quote unquote crypto winter. I think it's a healthy thing. You've been in crypto for a long time. I feel like a lot of people in crypto like to say, you know, I've seen so many cycles and they're talking about maybe like the last one only. But I mean, having seen this since 2013, I guess you really have been through a lot of the volatility. I, I like to think of it as the dot-com era. You know, there's a bubble, a burst, and then you've got the big winners coming out of it. You know, Meta, Twitter. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people ignore the the value of a, a burst like that, like a, a, of the pop of a hype cycle or a hype bubble, right? Because we see it time and time again. But what we typically see is that the quality stuff shakes out, right? Like all of the sort of like pretenders or scam artists or whatever shake out in that mm-hmm. big bust and exactly. then you get the real work being done. Exactly, exactly. Couldn't agree more. So what are you guys really excited about that you guys are working on now? Do you have anything mm-hmm. coming up that you want to sneak yeah. peek or preview here for our TechCrunch audience? Yeah, we want, we want to make every agent, we want to align their interests. And we see that as the way to scale. So mm. I guess that's what I'll say for now. But I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do I was like, oh, he's going to say more. And he oh. did it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Christine has a way with words. No, I, um, I would just say that, you know, people email me, they ask me every single day, in what capacity can I work with you to which I say, you can work with us in any capacity, you know, whether it's, you know, I've had people contact me that say, I run a concierge platform, and I have great clients, great, you know, like, I would love to work with you and refer clients out, you know, or agents and places that I'm not licensed, you know, that say, hey, I have clients, can we do deals together? Absolutely. You know, I mean, the sky's the limit, you know, I mean, we can work with people in any way. And we're, we're always encouraging people to sign up on our website, whether it's an aid, actual agent or under other, we can work with them in any capacity and look forward to doing that. And like I said before, buying a home or buying a diamond or buying a car or buying a t-shirt. I mean, it's all the same process and we, we love to work with you and make it something incredible. Cool. Yeah. Before I'm going to go get my real estate license, I think, and I'll sign up, but <laughs> I've been meaning to do it. Oh, really? Oh, I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> you bring me a client and oh, okay. we, can, we sure. can work together. I'll show you the process. I'll show you the process. I'll help you. All right. All right. I do actually have one other question before we wrap up here and just wanted to ask about for both of you. I mean, I feel like it's been a whirlwind past year, it seems like with wrapping up the show and, you know, you got married, you have a kid, like you're balancing a lot, right? Mm. Yes. What does your day to day look like? And how is that different (laughs) from maybe when you were like full time (laughs) filming on Selling Sunset? Yeah, I I mean, I think the difference is, is, well, we don't sleep. That's number one. I mean, we work until (laughs) yeah, like a lot of until 3am. Yeah, I mean, we work until 3am. And um, also, you know, the great thing about crypto is is you can do it 24-7. You can make a trade 24-7. It's like the banks where they shut off on weekends and holidays, you know. So we're working all the time. So in terms of that, that's that's always been the same. But the fact that I don't have a filming commitment is, is really nice because I have more time to commit to work. But other than that, it's pretty much remained, you know, it, it's remained the same. And I'm... I'm um, I don't know what else to say about that, really. But no, <laughs> it's, it's you're, you're on your grind. It's, it's cool. It's it's been a wild ride. I don't have to pretend like I'm fake selling houses anymore. I actually am. You know, like <laughs> ooh, <laughs> spicy. Uh, no, 
<laughs> I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. I'm tired of them casting someone new and saying, oh, but in order to join the office, you have to have a listing. Magically, an $8 million listing appears and then she yeah. sells it the next day. You know, I mean, like reality is just an illusion. And actually now I'm living in reality and it's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, I think I think hopefully people do. People probably don't, but people who are watching it should understand that it's not exactly how things go. But the thing it's meant to entertain you. That's yeah, 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 pretty much it. But I, what always drove me bonkers was just seeing like the values. I was like, I could I could get so much. The LA values relative to my Toronto market seem absurd. Like I wish I wish I could expect. Like I'll take you on a walking video tour of my house, but. You know, it's a million dollar house, but it's like, it's not what you expect from a million dollar house. <laughs> well, I'm but. coming to, I'm coming there in November. So you're oh, really? show oh, okay. me your house and I, I would love to see, but you know, Los Angeles real estate and, you know, even real estate in um, France is just, it's, it's crazy. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just another world, you know, it really is. Yeah. Well, I'm still dealing with the uh, apartment rental market in New York. So uh, <laughs> really fun time. Also for, terrible. For, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's crazy to me. Apartments will rent out. Um, I work with a few clients and I, people are like, you still do rentals? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I don't say no to business ever. Absolutely. Right. I do. And you know, like you'll have six people there looking at an apartment and someone's signing an offer. It's like, what? It's so crazy. Homes go so quickly in New York and, and people don't realize that, especially the rental market. Yeah. Any rentals through crypto or is that on the platform yet or no? No, we haven't we haven't had anyone ask to do that, but you know, it's an interesting thing because we do have a lot of really great homes and I could imagine if someone reached out to us and said, Hey, I wanted to Airbnb this for, you know, three, month six months. Yeah. yeah, that's something that that's something that we could do because a lot of our clients don't live in their homes or penthouses or apartments anymore, so they're just sitting vacant, but Gave me I'm an idea there. <laughs> Watch no, the I'm, space. I'm dying for it to occur because what better use of a smart contract? Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Put it on the roadmap and then just yeah. put a like credit Daryl. <laughs> but just with props. Send him the check. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no checks required. Just props. But... Props to you. That's a great idea. <laughs> well, thanks very much. It's It's been wonderful talking to you and we're so glad you could join us, especially, you know, from France. And, you know, we didn't want to take away from that too much. But yeah, really appreciate it. Uh, Real Open, amazing. Real Score seems great. So people can go check those out and also check out Anita's article on our site, which is fantastic explainer of all of that. Yeah, thanks so much, both Christine and Chris. Thank you so, thank you <laughs> thank so, you so much, much for having really us. We're, we're, huge, we're huge fans of you guys, so thank you. Likewise, enjoy the vacation. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch news editor Daryl Etherington, and TechCrunch managing editor Jordan Crook. Yashad Kulkarni is our executive producer. We are produced by Maggie Stamitz and edited by Kel Keller. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and on Twitter at twitter.com slash found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com, and you can call us and leave a voicemail at 510-936-1618. Also, we'd love if you could spare a few minutes to fill out our listener survey at bit.ly slash found listener survey. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.